We've been in a series called Wait. Can you say wait? And, and in this series, we've been talking about how important it is not just to wait for God, but to wait with God. Any of y'all have a hard time waiting? Yeah? Um, me too, man. It can be a challenging thing, you know. Uh, we're going to start off in Psalm 25, 4 through 5. It says this. And if you would, please, I have words in bold up here. Um, if you would read those words along with me, that would be awesome. It says this. Make me know your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. Y'all ready? For you I wait all the day. Can we say that one more time? For you I wait all the day. All the day. All the day. The, the title of today's message is Wait All the Day. Because what happens when the day gets long? What happens when the pressures come? What happens when, when your reputation is on the line? What happens when your waiting starts to look like weakness? What happens when things don't go according to plan? Are you going to wait all the day or are you going to get in the way? Hello? Hello? Are you going to wait all the day or are you going to get in the way? Because if you're anything like me, and thank God, like some of the people we see in Scripture, I'm not alone. <laughs> then sometimes waiting all the day is a lot harder in actuality than it is to say. Anybody ever been there? So we're going to be looking at a specific story in Scripture, and we're going to be reading a good, uh, good chunk of Scripture, but I could either describe it to you and try to elaborate, or I could just read it. And I figured, hey, the Bible was written so well, so like, I'm just going to read it, you know? Um, but I'll give you a little context. So we're going to be reading the story of um, Saul waiting for uh, the, the priest, the, the prophet uh, Samuel. Can you say Samuel? And, and in this example, we find a really interesting story of, of somebody who just could not wait, who was supposed to wait all the day. Um, so Saul, he's the new ruler of Israel, okay? Um, Sam, listen, the people of Israel, they, they asked the, the priest for a king. They wanted someone other than God alone to rule over them. And so they say, hey, we want a king like all of the other nations. And God's like, no, you don't. And they're like, yeah, we really, really do, though. And he's like, no, you don't. This is going to be a mess. And they're like, please. And so finally, their stubbornness got accommodated. And he met them where they were at. And he said, okay, we're going to try to do our best with the thing that you're, you the only way that you'll receive from me. And so, God tells Samuel, there's someone I want you to anoint as ruler, and his name is Saul. So we're going to start up here. 1 Samuel 10, 1 through 9. Then Samuel, so this is in the anointing process, Samuel's um, anointing Saul as ruler here, says, then Samuel took the flask of oil, poured it on Saul's head, kissed him and said, Has the Lord not anointed you as ruler over his inheritance? When you leave me today, 
Then you will find two men. Okay, so he's starting to kind of um, speak prophetically. Okay, so he anoints him, and then he says, this is what's going to happen next. He says, when you leave me today, then you will find two men close to Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. Come on. It's a great name. And they will say to you, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found. Now behold, your father has stopped talking about the donkeys and is anxious about you, saying, what am I to do about my son? Let's keep reading. Then you will go on further from there, and you will come as far as the oak of Tabor, and there three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you, one carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a jug of wine. This is pretty specific, isn't it? Isn't this incredible? This isn't all just like set up, just so you know. This is someone prophesying these things coming to pass. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from their hand. Afterward, you will come to the hill of God, where the Philistine garrison, or where the garrison is. And it shall be as soon as you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with tarp, tambourine, flute, and lyre in front of them, and they will be prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be changed into a different man. And it shall be when these signs come to you, do for yourself what the occasion requires, because God is with you. And you shall go down ahead of me to Gilgal, and behold, I will be coming down to you to offer burnt offerings and sacrifice, peace offerings. Y'all ready? You shall wait seven days until I come to you and inform you of what you should do. Then it happened, when he turned his back to leave Samuel, that God changed his heart, and all those signs came about on that day. Isn't that incredible? I just want you to think for a moment. If someone was like, here's what's going to happen tomorrow. You're going to wake up, and there's going to be like a new box of honey bunches of oats. And you're going you're gonna to open that. You're going to pour it in your cereal, and, like, and there's going to be like a raisin in there. And then you're going to eat the raisin. And then, and then, and then you're going to see someone on the street that's like, don't you like honey bunches of oats? And you say, yeah, I had some this morning, and there's a raisin. And it goes, oh, wow, it must be the Lord. You know what I mean? It's like so specific. Imagine if something like that specific happened in your life. Would you not go, maybe God is at work? Would you not go, maybe I should trust this person's guidance? Hello? I might trust this person's guidance. <laughs> Y'all are caught up on the honey bunches of oats. Uh, <laughs> it's like 11:14. People are getting hungry, man. Just, just so you know, we're probably going to be running like 11:45 today. Okay, so just a heads up. First um, Samuel 13, 1 through 14, it says this: Saul was 30 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned for 42 years over Israel. Now Saul chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel, of whom 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash and in the hill country of Bethel, while 1,000 were with Jonathan at Gibeah of Benjamin. But he sent the rest of the people away, each to his tent. And Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba, and the Philistines heard about it. Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear! And all Israel heard the news that Saul had attacked the garrison of the Philistines, and also that Israel had become repulsive to the Philistines. 
Then the people were summoned to Saul at Gilgal. Now the Philistines assembled to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots. That's a lot of chariots, y'all. I never seen 30,000. Don't let these just be numbers. Like, visualize this. That's a lot of chariots. 30,000 chariots. 6,000 horsemen and people like the sand which is on the seashore in abundance. And they came up and camped in Michmash, east of Beth-Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble, for the people were hard-pressed, then the people kept themselves hidden in caves, in crevices, in cliffs, in crypts, and in pits. And so, yeah, something about pits, isn't there? And in the pits. And some of the Hebrews crossed the Jordan into the land of Gad and Gilead. But as for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him, trembling. Now he waited for seven days until the appointed time that Samuel had set. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. Y'all ready? But as soon as he finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. Well, that's a bummer. It's like he just got caught. You know what I mean? He's out here trying to be whatever, jump the gun. And Samuel shows up. And Saul went out to meet him and to greet him. But Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, since I saw that the people were scattering from me and that you did not come at the appointed time and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought... Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not asked the favor of the Lord. So I worked up the courage and offered the burnt offering. Let's keep going. But Samuel said to Saul, you have acted foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For the Lord would now have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not endure the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has appointed him ruler over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Wow. Quite the story, huh? What's today's title? Wait all the day. The scripture we read, Psalm 25, 4 through 5. You see, did you see how um, Samuel said, now God is going to replace you? He said there's someone else who's coming. Well, that person just so happened to be the person that wrote this. That person was David, who ended up becoming king after Saul. And I don't think it's that far-fetched to say that this is a vocalization of something that he learned as he observed what happened under Saul's leadership. Hello? And so it says, make known to me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day. All the day means all the day. There must have been some day left if Samuel shows up right after the offering happens. It doesn't say anything about it being really dark. It doesn't say anything about anything. It just says that it seems as though Saul was like, all right, the appointed time has passed. People start scattering. The pressure is on. 
And what does he do? He jumps the gun. He does not wait all the day. I'd encourage you in this. Be careful not to add amendments to God's commandments. Be careful not to add amendments to God's commandments. You know, we often take a word from God and add our own assumptions onto it. You know, we add specifics, you know. And, and I just want to tell you that's very dangerous. That's a very dangerous thing to do because then you're setting up one You're adding on to the word of the Lord and you're holding it at the same value, which is very dangerous. Secondly, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. And hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. But we can do that to ourselves by adding these expectations, adding these limitations, saying, well, when he said a day, what did he really mean? I mean, think about it. We use day in very general terms, and so did they. The word for day there is yom, and it can either mean a 24-hour cycle or sunrise to sunset. Huh. But it's funny how when the pressure is on, we tend to give God the least generous assumption. You know what I'm saying? It's like the wiggle room is done. No more wiggle room. I'm saying, give God some wiggle room. Give God the most generous. Like, like, like if he said a year, I'm going to give him like the whole year. Like 365 all the way till the end. And even if it ends up being that, I'll be like, maybe he meant a figurative year. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to give God the, the, the benefit of the doubt, and I'm just going to trust him. Amen. But again, that's a lot easier to say when I don't have 30,000 chariots breathing down my neck. And so I'm saying this is for all of us. We can look at Saul and be like, oh, Saul, you know. But honestly, I think that that's like, we, we have to engage with the reality of the people in scriptures and able to glean from their experience. If you read it as like, I'm looking down on these people and how could you be so silly? It's like revoking ourselves of a lot of opportunity to grow. So I would just encourage you as you read these things, even like David and Bathsheba, like I read that, I'm like, bro, what are you doing, man? But like by, and I mean, that's a fair response, but also like engage and, and say, what can I learn from this? You know what I'm saying? Often our qualifications are back doors through which we give ourselves an out of faith. So by, oh, well, maybe he meant sunrise to sunset. So since maybe he meant that, now I'm just going to go ahead and do the thing that I want to do. You know? Leave God some wiggle room. Let's look at Psalm 27, 14 again. Wait for the Lord. Y'all ready? Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. How many of y'all know waiting takes courage? Think about it. What's a more courageous act for Saul in this moment? To wait on the word of the Lord even though he's got the enemy breathing down his neck? Or to just say, okay, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try to... Which one is more courageous? Waiting, right? 
But I find it really interesting because Saul kind of gives himself an excuse. He goes, and in 1 Samuel 13, 12, he says, So I worked up the courage. <laughs> I worked up the courage and offered the burnt offering. Here's a question for you. Are you working up fleshy courage or are you taking courage from the Lord? This, this is important. And I would say oftentimes the courage, see, you see, you can't want to be the hero of your story. He's got to be hero. He's got to be the hero. And if your courage is going to like make something big of you or like put you on or you're going to step in and do something that God explicitly told you not to, you need to check yourself. Say, wait, 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 wait. I'm not the hero. God's the hero. And he gave me instructions. So I'm going to listen to those and I'm going to walk in those. Amen? Saul thought his action was courageous. Samuel calls it foolish. Walking with or waiting for God is not weak or cowardly. It is strong and courageous. Here's a question. Do you just want God's favor or do you want his guidance? That's a good answer. Good answer. Both. I think sometimes... We want God to bless things that are at odds with what he's told us he wants us to do. It's like, Lord, bless, bless this thing that I've done that goes directly against what you've told me I'm supposed to do. And that's a silly thing to ask. It's silly. Lord, I'm, I'm going to ask for your favor, but I'm also going to disregard the very clear instructions you gave me. You know, fear will make you do strange things. Fear will make you do weird stuff, guys. 1 Samuel 10.8 And you shall go down ahead of me to Gilgal, and behold, I will be coming down to you to offer burnt offerings and sacrifice peace offerings. You shall wait seven days, y'all ready? Until I come to you and inform you of what you should do. You see, Samuel wasn't just coming to do the burnt offerings. He was coming to give instruction. And here, Saul, he's only asking the Lord for favor in his jumping the gun. He sought the Lord's favor while simultaneously rejecting his guidance. And we can't put ourselves in that situation Oh, why is the Lord doing this to me? Are you listening? Listen, I'm not saying everything is an equation. Most of it's not. But if you find yourself just like feeling completely ungraced, ask yourself if you're obeying him. Ask yourself if you've made some revisions. Ask him for help. That's the foundational thing because you can ask yourself those other two questions and just land in a place of condemnation. Oh, I did miss it, didn't I? Well, how many of y'all know God's a great redeemer? He's a great redeemer. So maybe you missed it, but guess what? He's got you. He's got you, and he is eager to help you. But don't jump the gun, because it's foolish. You can wait in fear, or you can wait in faith. Anybody ever been in either one of those situations? 
There's been, there's been certain things, certain things that I've dealt with in life where I kind of go back and forth, if I'm being honest, you know? Um, but I find it interesting that, that Saul here, it seems pretty obvious that, that he's dreading what would happen when the Philistines come. He's just thinking like, oh, what are they going to do? 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 Oh, my gosh, there's 30,000 chariots. Oh, my gosh, what are they going to do? I'm waiting here. I'm not doing anything. I'm, I have to do something. Anybody ever been there before? I have to do something. Waiting is doing something. Did you hear me? Like spirit-led waiting is doing something. Our Americanized culture doesn't get that because you got to do, do, do. I'm telling you, if the Lord has said, wait, you wait. I wait. We wait for him. How long? All the day. Can y'all say all the day? Proverbs 29, 25, this one is in there, Denise, says this, the fear of man brings a snare, but one who trusts in the Lord will be protected. Your meditation in the midst of waiting is critical. What are you thinking on? What do you have playing in here is your waiting? What's on repeat? Are your eyes fixed to the horizon saying, he's coming, He's coming. He's coming. Or are you going, they're coming? Hello? I think, I think faith has its eyes fixed on God and what he's going to do. And at best, all that other stuff is peripheral noise. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying you don't hear them. I'm not saying that they're not there. I'm not saying they're even that quiet. I'm just saying we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen? The author and the perfecter, though, too, right? So we're not asking him to bless our inventions. We're not asking him to finish our authorship. He's the author and the perfecter. Let's keep our eyes fixed on him and say, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Come on, church, he's coming. Another thing we can learn in here is enduring, an enduring kingdom requires endurance. Can y'all say endurance? This is like the least sexy word you're going to find in scripture. Some really sexy. I'm sorry if that hurt. I'm not trying to come at you, okay? I'm just saying it's not all that appealing of a word, you know? Endurance is like, oh, you know? But how many of y'all know God can do some stuff through endurance, 1 Samuel 13, 14. But now your kingdom shall not endure. Now your kingdom shall not endure. Saul did not endure. And now Samuel's saying, your kingdom shall not endure. James 1, 2 through 4 says this. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials. How many of y'all think Saul was in a trial? Hello? <laughs> Knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing don't cut short the wonderful things god is doing within you by failing to endure 
When we jump the gun, we cut off so much opportunity for growth within us. Just like, don't think of everything in such external terms. Guys, this... The spirit realm is so real. There's so much going on behind the scenes. There's so much going on within us. And these things are of more importance than what's even going on outside. So it might be like, oh my gosh, everything's exploding. But in that waiting even, in that waiting for the Lord, in that building of our faith, something beautiful is happening in here. There's a trust that's being developed. Like, I just think about it like, I just think about it as a father. Like, if my son, like, trusts me to do something for him, and he's just, like, waiting for daddy to do it, you know, because he knows he'll make a mess of it, that, like, that makes me feel good, you know? Like, that he trusts me and that he wants my help. Y'all, it's not unscriptural to compare the relational um, the relationship of father and child to our father God and us. It brings him great joy. He loves being in a trusting relationship. Trust him. He is trustworthy. And, and on that note, I think it's worth recognizing when we're waiting, it's a great opportunity to replay God's faithfulness. Can y'all say replay God's faithfulness? Because what I think would have been helpful to Saul in this moment as if he would have gone like, oh yeah, the donkeys. Oh yeah, the lyre and the flute and the me showing up and the prophets coming down and the, the dancing and the prophesying and all that stuff, all those specifics that Samuel said via God's word. All those things came to pass, so maybe this other one will too. Hello? Like, how many of y'all have had God do some wonderful things in your life? Yeah? Don't forget them. Don't forget them. Take note. I mean, literally, take note. I have like a, in my mind, I have like a wallet with, you know how I, wallets are getting less and less common, you know? I have like a little baby wallet, you know? It has like room for like two cards and some love church invite things, you know? That's about it. Um, but, you know, they used to have these big wallets. Maybe some of y'all have a big wallet. And on the inside, you got, like, a bunch of little clear things that you place photos in. You know what I mean? Photos of those people that you love. And that you want to, when you open your wallet, you're like, yes, I love these people. So great. I would encourage you, have, like, a little wallet flip book of God's faithfulness that you can go to and you can see and you can, when you're waiting in the midst of these kinds of things, be like, oh, yeah, wait a minute, this is hard. But God showed up. Remember when God showed up? Yeah, he showed up and he actually showed up. And I think writing it down brings it in concrete terms. Because we're so silly. And again, you see it in scripture. People forget the great things God does. The children of Israel, like, think about this. Like, like, like Moses puts a staff in the water and the seas part. And they walk through it. And behind them, everybody gets drowned. And then they're like, I don't know if God's going to take care of us. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's important. And honestly, Scripture even tells us in Hebrews, these things are written down for us for a reason. But I'd encourage you to write down the stories of what God does in your life too. 
You know what I'm saying? Scripture is amazing, and I'm not undermining it at all. It's powerful and great, but God's done some things in your life. So I'd encourage you, write those things down and bring, let the Holy Spirit bring them to remembrance too as you are waiting. One, I have two other notes, and then we're, we're done for the day, but um, I'd encourage you, while you're waiting, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Um, it can, sometimes impatience leads us to do things that we aren't called to. You know, that I need to do something. I need to do something! Makes you do something you're not anointed to do. And you end up just making more of a mess. Again, are we going to wait all the day, or are we going to get in God's way? And maybe it's something that you think you can do, but is it something that you should do? That's a good question. Now, why is it like that? Well, how many of y'all know that God works through not just individual people, but a people? Okay, some of y'all, some of y'all aren't like saying yeah to that. How many of y'all know that God wants to work through a people, like a group of people? This is, this is explicitly written in like 1 Corinthians. Like it's all throughout Scripture. But God works differently through different people. And I don't want to be cutting somebody off. I don't want to be cutting the way that God wants to work through somebody else off by usurping their anointing, by usurping whatever. I'm not anointed to do that thing. So I'm going to wait. I'm going to let the person who is do that thing. So I just encourage you, even if you can do it, don't. Not if you're not supposed to. Not if you've been told to wait, wait. That other person can do it. Lastly, and I hope this is encouraging this morning, don't stop waiting just shy of the provision. I feel like the Lord has called me to be married to an awesome Christian man no, this is not me speaking. <laughs> I'm already married to an awesome Christian woman, okay? How about I flip the script? <laughs> I feel like God is leading me to be married to an awesome Christian woman. Just shy of that divine appointment, you settle for a instead of a Christian woman, like a heathen girl. It's just like some real talk, man. It's like, it's like, like we settle, you know? We settle. And I'm just saying oftentimes when we settle, it's just shy of the provision that God has for us. Again, in 1 Samuel 13, 10, let's look at it. But as soon as he finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him and greet him. As soon as he settled, then there was the provision. I just want to tell you, man, like, God's purposes and his provision are worth the wait. Okay? I want to tell you that. I want to tell you, don't stop waiting. Don't give up. Take courage from him. Follow him in the things that he shows you. Follow him in the specifics. Let him expand your worldview. But trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord and wait all the day. Can y'all say all the day? All the day. Amen.
Amen.